What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ramblers, let's get rambling. The home intelligent rambling right here on the Talk Shoe Network, and we're the longest running single hosted pop culture podcast in Ontario. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Russell Hale. Got a terrific show lined up for you today as we explore a number of different things on the program. To start things off today with a retro 4K Blu ray review of Fatal Attraction, courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment, and another Michael Douglas classic movie that that brings a new definition of the word home cooking <laughs> then we take a trip back again into time but wait a little further back in time with the latest biopic from the king of rock and roll it is the 4k blu-ray review of elvis courtesy of warner brothers pictures home entertainment and then we go from the world of rock and roll to the world of animation for my first 4k why well, my only 4k animated review of this episode, and that is Minions, The Rise of Gru, 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 or Minions 2, courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment, where we explore more of the early adventures of those little banana guys. And then we round things off with a journey into the future, but sort of into the past, with the animated digital review of Lightyear, courtesy of Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment, where we get a new side of buzz that's all on this episode of ramble with russell so we're going to take a quick little musical interlude right up the first review of the show my retro 4k movie episode is fatal attraction courtesy of paramount pictures home entertainment now this is a movie i have not seen in a very long time and it's one of those kind of movies like back in the 80s and 90s and it's one of those films that i'm dating dating myself a little bit here but it was one of those movies that came out and i was too young to see it in the theater i only got kind of first saw this kind of home video market years years ago probably on an old vhs and this is a, a, a interesting film it's directed by by somebody who you know had experience in this genre and that sort of kind of before and that's adrian lynn now you think to yourself adrian lynn where have i heard that name as director well he hasn't done a lot over the years but the he's kind of had an experience with these kind of films because um prior to fatal attraction he did flash dance nine and a half weeks and after Flash, Night of Attraction, he did Jacob's Ladder, Indecent Proposal, and Lolita in 1997. And then Unfaithful, and then he took a weird long break, which I kind of figured, and he did a new movie, Deep Water, just 
this year. So he's had an interesting career, and and you could like Verhoeven, a lot of his stuff has been very kind of racy. And this movie, like watching it now, this is the of course the thirty fifth anniversary edition of Fatal Attraction. It, you see how times have changed because <laughs> there are some sequence in the, sequences in this movie that are really brutal and really violent, and it's like. I don't know if that would fly now in, in movies. I don't know if it would it would work. The the 80s and 90s in the cinema, if you think about it, it's, it was a very interesting time period where there are a lot of stuff, especially kind of, you know, man-on-woman violence, that people get away with, but now they'd be like, oh, no, can't hear that, that's wrong. And the kind of stuff that some countries wouldn't even, you know, they would say, well, no, we can't, we can't air that kind of thing. The story, if you haven't ever heard of it before, revolves around a, a businessman uh, played by Michael Douglas. And this is like, and this, and this is Michael Douglas at pretty much the start of his film career. Like, he was just getting going after this. It's like Black Rain and a lot of other bigger movies. So he was kind of just getting going here. He had the Rants in the Stone and Jewel in the Nile around the same time uh, when it came to this. And so he plays, uh, you know, uh, you know, a pretty wealthy guy, Dan Gallagher. And this guy seemingly has a really good life. You know, he has um, he has a, a beautiful wife, played by Ann Archer, Beth, and a really young, cute kid, Ellen, uh, played by Ellen Latson, right? So he has a pretty good life, and, and he starts getting into trouble when he, he goes to, uh, a big, I guess, a big kind of business meeting and meets up with this woman played uh, by Glenn Close's character, uh, Alex Force, but, but Glenn Close, Glenn Close. And this is, it's funny too, that you also look back at their careers. Glenn Close was just, this is early in her career. She'd done a lot of TV work before this, and this is kind of one of my bigger major pictures, and even Ann Archer. This is kind of, you know, after this one, she, she did like clear present danger. So we're talking, <laughs> she, was, she was kind of ramping up her career as well. So he, he has this kind of, I don't know, out of the blue, just even though he seems to have a really nice life, you know, he's living in New York with his wife and his young kid, and they want to get a bigger apartment, you know, get a house. And 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 so he has this chance encounter with, with the Glenn Close character, Alex, although chance, I don't know. And 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 it, and um, his wife, Beth, gets called away for the weekend to to... Well, actually, no. He gets called in to do some work on the on the week, extra work on the weekend. So Beth and takes herself and their young daughter and and their golden retriever <laughs> with them to to uh, to or it could be a lab. It's either one of those. T- takes the, the 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 family. Actually, no. The leaves leaves the dog behind, and her, Beth and the Beth and the daughter go to her parents' place for the weekend so he can stay at home and get the work done, right? And then they leave the butt mutt behind. So 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 he's home alone for the weekend and he meets up again with, with Alex, just a coincidence that their paths cross. And he starts flirting. And you know, spoiler here, he ends up just having this fling with this woman. And this is the, the classic example of you chose the wrong person to do this with. And he tries to brush her off, but it ends up she gets really obsessed about him. And to quote the trailer, he makes the biggest mistake of his life. <laughs> I like all the old trailers. So it, it's him trying to deal with this woman who's constantly calling and 
gets really like just won't leave him alone, and it gets really crazy. Like there's there's a sequence where where Michael Douglas and Glenn Close have a like a physical altercation, and it's brutal, people. If you are, you know, you know, not big on on seeing you know man and woman violence, it's pretty intense. And just this before warning, and Glenn Close does crazy really well. I mean, this woman, it, it, it really works. And, and the tension in this and, and what leads up to the, the, the ending sequence is something happens and that sequence of events that gets played out on, on, on like horror movies years after. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. And it, and it, it's funny. The, that one moment, it, it's it's like I said a very intense movie you know, when it when it comes to it and and tell Douglas and Glenn Close really work well together. It's fine to see him this young like thirty five years ago and compared to what he's doing now like cause, like like the Avengers movies. So it's not a movie for kids, <laughs> uh, but but it really is one of those films that like you make just like that one wrong decision. And you're done. Now, this release, the 35th anniversary, is the first time this is put on 4K. And for a 35-year-old movie, it looks really good. I, I, I you know, watch this on my my 4K Hisense. And and picture quality, this is as good as you're going to get a 35-year movie, considering, you know, what it was filmed on. I, I find that a lot. I mean, you know, recently, long, long ago, I, I reviewed the Godfather movies. And those are older films, and they got restored. And they did a really good job cleaning those up. And But you can only clean these up so much. And then it's like, well, you know, this is what the material they were filmed on. So if, you, if you've never owned this movie, this is the definition, definitive version to get. Now, what I find kind of funny is that on the packaging, it says it's just a 4K Ultra HD and digital code, right? You say, oh, well, geez, this is going to be a 4K disc release. I'm not going to get the Blu-ray with it. But... Surprise, surprise, when you open it up, the actual Blu-ray of this release is in here. They don't advertise it on the box, on the, on the cover art whatsoever. But, you know, yay, you do get the Blu-ray edition. And what's more, even more interesting is on the Blu-ray edition of the movie, you get extras. Now, I've seen this trend a lot, and I'll probably mention this again some other time, that a lot of movies that get the 4K treatment and they get a 4K and a Blu-ray together, like the Blu-ray, all the extras, for a lot of it, especially older films, only are put on the Blu-ray edition of the disc, and the 4K is just a movie, no extras. And this is what you get here. Now, there are not a lot of extras, I'll, I'll grant you, but it is kind of cool, at least there is some. I you think there would have been more for 35th anniversary, really, like commentary by the director and the actors. That would have been so cool. But this is all you get. So for uh, you get just three feature, well, actually four featurettes. You get the filmmaker focus with Adrian Lin. This is about seven minutes, 43 seconds long. And it's kind of his favorite moments from the film. You can kind of tell this was done recently just by the quality of it. Although you don't really timestamp it. You also get reverse rehearsal footage, about seven minutes and about nine seconds worth of it. And you can tell that maybe this is like an older extra that was ported in from a previous release. And it's just, you know, Michael Douglas and Glenn Close meeting for the first time and rehearsing. 
And that's cool. I, I wish they'd show more of that kind of stuff. You do get an alternative ending, and this is like 12 minutes and five seconds worth of an alternative ending that is introduced, again, by the director, and I think this is a more newer ported over special feature. And this is how, and you watch this ending, and this, this original ending, this is how the movie originally was going to end, and it is such a different ending than what we got to see in the theaters, like what's on the movie itself. It's like night and day. It's to me, it's such a demure kind of... It doesn't have the oomph of, of what you see in the movie. But it's there, and it's. It, I bet you, more likely, he didn't say it. Probably tested really bad. People were like, could we have had a better ending? So he wrote the one that we all know and love. And then, of course, the last extra is the original theatrical trailer, which is super short. It's only like 2.27 minutes. 2 minutes, 27 seconds. But I, I did like hearing that old-school trailer guy which you always heard in like every 80s and 90s movie, practically, maybe even 70s, there's always like that one voice that always did trailers in a world. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's the guy. It was nice to hear one of those old trailers. I miss that guy. I don't know who he is. Ramblers, if you know, throw me out a tweet about it. And, and I'll give you the tweet, of course, at the end of the show and say, hey, Russ, it was that was that trailer guy. I'm pretty sure it's him. Let me know, because that's I, I miss him. He was like the king of trailers. Uh, so that's kind of a highlight. But that's it for extras. I don't know why on the packaging they don't advertise the special features. They don't say it's a 4K Blu-ray plus digital code combo. But, heck, I'm not complaining. So if you're looking on the packaging, it, it, it's there, uh, unless they somehow switch it out. You should get uh, both discs with it. You know, um, if you've never got this movie, this is for now the definitive issue to get. I, I kind of said I for three five years I you know kind of wanted it a little more thorough, like at least like my director commentary, maybe a bigger longer featurette, maybe a retrospective featurette with Douglas and Ann Archer and Glenn Close talking about the movie and their remembrances of it. That would have been cool. You know, very similar to what they did with the Godfather stuff. But it is what it is. So I mean, if you're looking for like an old 1980s thriller uh, and you want to see Glenn Close get as nuts as you're going to get, it, it definitely is worth checking out. Although I will caution you if you don't like to see a lot of violence against women and I, those scenes, it's just go at each other, then, you know, this be for a It's not a movie. Oh, to watch around kids. It's rated R. For a reason, folks. So keep that in mind. <laughs> but but it it is an it, it's it's definitely a good nice you know nineteen eighties, uh, addition to your video library. And and I, I love the um the the French translation liaison fatale or translated fatal liaison, which is not exactly the same as fatal attraction, but pretty much almost the same thing. On a side note, the, the, the kid that did play Ellen, I want to mention this before I wrap up this review, she did a little bit of stuff afterwards, you know, this movie. Like, this was her first ma major film that she ever did uh, at the age of seven. But she retired from acting at the age of 15 and just left the world behind. She's still in the entertainment industry, but she said, nope, I'm just done with the acting biz of it and walked away from it. And now I've written a book about her experience as a childhood actor. And that's something. 
that doesn't happen too often. A lot of it's you know, one of two things you usually have with childhood actors. One, they they, have, they get too much fame and then they burn out and they're done, usually in a very fatal way. Or two, they somehow you know continue and go on to be successful act actors and actresses as adults, like you know, like your Drew Barrymores, for example. It's very rare you get them the ones that that walk away from it and are not scarred in some way. So that's cool to see. So um, yeah, I just thought to point that out because she's a cute kid in this, but didn't have much of a career after this movie. At least on the acting side of it. So that is my take of Fatal Attraction on 4K uh, Blu-ray, the 35th anniversary edition, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Pictures Home Entertainment. We're caught in a trap I can't walk out now Because I love you too much, baby Why? Why can't you see What you're doing to me Second 4K Blu-ray review for this episode is Elvis. 
courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this Blu-ray to review on this program. The opinions I express are my own. Now, this is the latest biopic, of course, from good old Elvis Aaron Presley. And it's funny that we've had quite a few of them over the last few years. The last one, of course, I talked about on this show was Elvis Presley, The Searcher, back in 2018, which was a kind of a more documentary, uh, you know, biopic of his life. We had people interviewed from his past and lots of celebrities and kind of going through his whole life, kind of third person. This movie, Elvis, is more kind of, to me, like La Bamba who was to Richie Valley, kind of the, um, a, you know, a, a, a biopic, but not so factual as the searchers. Now I did like the searchers. You can go back at my reviews back in 2018 around there and look at it. It was really good. I learned so much about Elvis watching that. This is more of a, um, stylized version. And of course <laughs> the movie is directed by a man who's done quite a bit of stylized filming in the past. And that is Baz Luhrmann who, of course, is the director behind such big fancy epics of uh, Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet and, and and Australia. A lot of, you know, big kind of strictly ballroom. All, all those kind of, you know, big films. So he's, he's helming this particular movie. And so it very much is, it's, it's less factual. And this, this time around, the story is kind of told by the perspective of, of, of Tom, Colonel Tom Parker, who of course was a big manager of Ellis in the early years. And it doesn't really paint the most pleasant light on Mr. Parker uh, in this. Cause it, it, it's almost like it's an Elvis story, but as told by Colonel Tom. Now, in this movie, Colonel Tom Parker is portrayed by the ever chameleonic, chameleonish actor Tom Hanks, who just he, lately he's been like really kind of morphing into all these different actors, and he plays the, the Colonel. And I said it's not a flattering role of the guy because it, it really paints him as a conniving shuckster, a snowman who was a carny guy who found Elvis as a young kid and went, hey, you know, I could use this kid to make a lot of money <laughs> in the future. Really, for a lot of his career, controlled them. Elvis so much in a way that he never left North America. Like, he wanted to go to Europe, but as we find out in the movie, because, you know, Mr. Parker there uh, was not who he says he was, couldn't really leave the country. He kind of kept a tight rein on Mr. E.P. Now, uh, full disclosure here, when it comes to Elvis Presley, I've always been, and I probably said this in The Searchers, I've always been a bit of a fan of his. When I was a kid, my dad was a huge Elvis fan. And so I grew up with a lot of the Elvis music. I mean, Suspicious Minds is one of my favorite Elvis songs of all time. So I know it's, I always like to see, you know, movies with the king. I mean, Honeymoon in Vegas, there's a fun Elvis movie. Uh, when it comes to that. So I was really, you know, I was really intrigued by this film. The the character who plays Elvis is Austin Butler. You're thinking to yourself, who is Austin Butler? I've never, you know, the name doesn't really ring a bell. <laughs> and, and this kid, I'm going to tell you, he nails Elvis really well. He, he just, he looks like him. He can, he can talk like him. 
he really does a good job, and and I give him full props. They really casted well because you compare like pictures of this kid and and a young actual Elvis Presley, and it's it's pretty close. He has the mannerisms and the talk all down there. And you're thinking, where have I seen this kid before? Well, he did do three episodes of Arrow back in 2014 and like one 2014, one 2015 as the character Chase. And I'm thinking, I know I've seen him before, but I couldn't pick, you know pick it down. And he was also in the very short-lived Shannara Chronicles as Will Olmsford, which things I have reviewed on this very program. So that's cool. And he recently uh, was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and currently is in post-production on a TV miniseries called Masters of the Air, which I'm probably from airplanes or something. And is in post-production for the uh, for these Dune, or is filming currently at the time of this recording, the uh, Dune Part 2. So there you go. Uh, so he's been a busy boy, and, and this movie will definitely not hurt him. It is what it is. It's an over kind of glossified, stylized view of Elvis Presley. I said it gives me shades of La Bamba in it when it comes to that, the way it's edited. And I haven't seen La Bamba in ages, but, but I remember it a fair amount. And it's, it's that same kind of feel like here is how this kid's life. Now, it, it does it does focus on his early years, but it also goes into his comeback special and the Vegas and that kind of stuff. So it's not just the early years of Vegas or the early years of Elvis, like some other reviewers may mention. It, it, it's just, you know, from his, his start of his career right up until his untimely demise. Spoiler, he dies, but come on, people, you don't know that. So it's interesting. Look, I, I think the actress who plays Priscilla is good in this. She really works well. And and Tom Hanks, it's he can go from being the most likable character to the most despicable. And by the end of this... You're thinking like, Tom Parker, you were one big jerkwad in this. You were just a guy who, who used him, manipulated him just to get what you wanted. And that's sad. And and I think this Austin Butler, man, this kid, he definitely has a future ahead of him. And and he, his Elvis is spot on when it comes to that. For special features, we get quite a bit in this, although I think it would have been a little bit more. You get Bigger Than Life, the story of Elvis. You get rock and roll royalty, the music and the artists behind Elvis. Uh, Fit for a King, the style of Elvis. Viva Australia, recreating iconic locations for Australia. And Trouble, which is just a, a kind of a music video. And that's one of points there. This movie... You're thinking, wow, maybe surely they filmed in Graceland, right? Surely they, you know, films in various locations in the United States. Then you'd be going eh, to that because I looked, I looked this up because I'm thinking, why was this movie completely filmed in Australia? Well, I mean, at the time this was filmed, this was when the pandemic was at its highest, and and good at Aussie, just Australia, just like Georgia, just like you know Vancouver, Toronto, tax credits. And and so they moved the production there. And of course, I do believe the director is an Australian. So everything of this movie was filmed in Aussie. So they had to go through and make all these locations look like it was filmed in America. They even went as far as getting the blueprints for Graceland so they could rebuild it to use it in the movie. That's crazy, but that's... So it's such odd. I don't know if it's ever been a movie like this where a movie about an American 
you know, musician is filmed completely in a different country. So there is what that is. This movie looks great in 4K. It is stunning. It, it really is a, a feast for the eyes when it comes to some of the costuming. And I got to give them props. You know, a lot of these kind of historical movies, they really went with good, good detail getting like the costuming and the cars and the look of it, the, the production design, top notch on this movie. And, and if you like Elvis, you'll like this. I mean, and if you don't like Elvis movies or his music, this is not for you. It, it, it's crazy to think that for a 15-year period, this man did 30, over 30-plus 30 films, just bam, 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 punching them out. And I'd love to see it, but unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever see it. I'd love to see, like, a complete Elvis film collection. But from what I've been gathering, all those movies were tied up with different film studios, so literally multiple film studios would have to get together and say, okay, we're all going to you know work together and make the mega- Elvis movie collection. But because they're all split up with different theater, uh, you know, movie, movie companies, I don't know if that will ever happen, but that would be amazing. If my father was still alive and they brought this collection out, I would buy it for him over a heartbeat for Christmas or a birthday or something. Guarantee you. <laughs> but I don't think that will ever happen. Overall, I mean, if you're looking for a nice Elvis biopic that doesn't portray the Colonel that very well, but is it, you know, different side, maybe to the story we haven't seen before, then yeah, uh, definitely check this out. If if you're not an Elvis fan, won't be much in for you, other than some really good performances, like, again, this Austin Butler and, and Tom Hanks. If you want to be despicable, you nailed it, buddy. Uh, he is not a nice... I mean, Colonel Parker is not portrayed as a nice guy in this movie at all. So that is my take of Elvis on 4K Blu-ray combo. Back, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. I'm having a bad, bad day. It's about time that I get my way. Steamrolling and whatever I see. Huh, despicable me. I'm having a bad, bad day. If you take it personal, that's okay. Watch, this is so fun to see. Gorge! Oh, despicable me. Such a bad day, this day is today I need to unwind, so with cartoons in mind I flipped the tube on, now my worries are gone Cause I'm trending with Otto and Reggie Getting a little wild with the thornberries Chilling it up at Dex's laboratory Grabbing a bite to eat at the Krusty Krab Then napping with the Rugrats' cartoon Life is such a simple task Simpler days, chase the monster in my closet and his friends away. And uh, all my screen is anime for me. Digimon.hack and some ROD. Mixed with Springfield, Looney Tunes, and PPG. This is more than enough to give me some peace, but still. I'm having a bad, bad day. It's about time that I get my way. Personal. That's okay. okay. 
despicable me I'm going crazy Bouncing off the walls don't phase me I'll put you in a cannon and I'll blast you off These pattern walls are so soft In my world of animation I can fix any situation on my station It's like a vacation from my stuffed mind Dropping anvils on your head just to pass the time Please don't walk in front of my eyes You might screw up the feeling Banana peeling stuck to the silly remote and hand it now just it's about time that I get my way. Steam rolling, whatever I see. Huh. Despicable me. I'm having a bad, bad day. If you take it personal, that's okay. Watch, this is so fun to see. Oh, despicable me. My 4K animated Blu ray review for this episode is Minions The Rise of Gru courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, typically, you know, this is Minions 2, really, and and kind of takes off where the last Minions movie kind of ended. This is a prequel. This is a sequel to the prequel. So a prequel sequel, if you will, to the whole Despicable Me franchise. And this franchise has been going on for quite some time. It's crazy how long it's going. Because again, like, way back in 2010 with the first movie, then they had Despicable Me 2 in 2013, then 3 in 2017, and then they had the, um, and then they had, and they're still talking about Despicable Me 4, that's supposed to come out. And then the next one after Despicable Me 3 was, of course, Minions in 2015, and then, of course, Minions Rise of Gru, which we're talking about today. So, and that, and also, like, a bunch of shorts. So this franchise has been going on for quite some time. And it's cool uh, to watch this movie. I, I went back and I rewatched all the Spickle movies and the Minions before this. And they're fun little movies. I'm telling you, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Steve Carell fan. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I never watched the the U.S. version of The Office. And some of his movies, it's like, yeah, here and there. Some of them are really good. Some of them, eh. But his voice of Gru, you know... I'm probably doing it wrong, <laughs> but it's really good. And it doesn't sound like him in this. And the the, the Minionese language, which I always, it feels like it's like Simlish. I'm probably doing that wrong too. But that, <laughs> it's, it's just strangely compelling and entertaining. I don't know how else to put it uh, when it comes to that. So Despicable Me, the first movie, of course, was the story of, of a villain who, you know, who, who in trying to steal a device uh, and prove he's the bestest villain of them all, stumbles across these four young girls who, whom he initially adopts to try to use them to get something from another villain. But eventually, you know, they, they, they warm the evilness in his heart and, and, and he adopts them. So, you know, and these are slight spoilers. Come on, these movies have been around for a while. Come on. And then Sickle Me 2 is is a funny take on this and where and it's very much like if you look at transylvania right or hotel transylvania it's funny how those movies kind of mirror each other uh so in hotel trans so in in, in took me to just like hotel transylvania too the Gru finds a female match for you if you will and he gets recruited by the anti-villain league to stop another villain so that's kind of the focus in that one. And then the third, he comes across uh, a younger brother that he, or twin that he was separated at birth. That's that one. Minions 1 is essentially 
and it kind of decanonizes the minions because the first, you know, the early Despicable Me movies, I'm thinking, okay, these are like these weird little dudes that he created to serve him kind of deal because he's a, you know, a evil guy with a bad scientist. And then the Minions movie comes around. It's like, oh, no, no, they existed before Gru and crew. <laughs> and and um, they were this weird little tribe that was always trying to find the worst villain, right, over history. And they eventually make their way to to the to the United States, and and the first movie is them. They find this villainess, and they're trying to prove their worth to her, sort of. And at the end of that first movie, they they meet up with Gru, and then that leads into this one. And these are much right, like so they're kind of like. It's, you know, you have flashbacks. Now, when it came to the music of these movies, the first movie, I really liked the soundtrack for the first crew movie. It really was, like, targeting more my demo. And then the second movie, they kind of changed it out a bit. And then the third movie, they kind of got back to it again. And, and then the Minions, it was sort of there. But by this one, by Minions 2, The Rise of the Crew, yeah, then you can tell the music selections... It's like, okay, we need to appeal to some of the adults that are bringing kids to these movies. So we need to put like song selections in there. And it's also set in like the 70s, too. The adults that have come to these films with kids are going to go, oh, it's more my, my kind of music and less of the modern stuff, which some of it, I'm sounding old now. I just, I can't, I can't get into it. It's like, it does not talk to me at all. So it's it's fun. You see, you see a very uh, young kid grew, and and this movie too. Man, they load this thing up with star power, okay? Because so so basically, you have the minions have 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 been living with the crew, and and grew is trying out for a a villain group called the Vicious Six, right? So set it's twelve year old kid in the seventies, and he's just he he wants to audition for this huge villain group. And these villains in this group, man, it, it, it reminds me, it's like those wackadoo ones that were in comics back in the 70s that now would fly, but but they are, are so crazy. And this, this cadre of villains, <laughs> yeah, the, the voice actors they chose for this are so cool. You have you have um, you have Lucy Lawless, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, Jean Claude Van Damme, and Julie Andrews uh, comes back as his mother, and then Alan Arkin <laughs> is in this as well. Alan Arkin plays a villain, and and it's so I never thought I'd see. And and the names of these villains are are just so funny. Like Alan Uncle Alan Arkin is like Wild Knuckles. Then you have <laughs> Bell Bottom. Uh, you have Jean Claw. He's <laughs> a lobster claw. And then you have Nunchucks, which is Lucy Lu Lucy Laws's character, who's a nun wielding nunchucks. <laughs> and. And at one point in the end of the movie, these these characters transform from guys in these funky outfits to these um, kind of mystical creatures. 
and it's very it's funny it takes on a whole new feel for it it reminds it's like we go it's suddenly we're in like a, a kung fu movie from the 70s <laughs> the, the weird transformation it's really funky and and i like the design it's a really fun movie and and the the ending is is really cute now what's funny about the movie in this ending is the ending the way you see it makes total sense right <laughs> you look at this movie the ending of it and you go okay this would lead to the first despicable me movie right because you have it ends in a way and you're like okay that makes sense well uh, i found out not too long before i recorded this that the the when this movie aired in china they didn't like the ending of this they didn't like the way it, and turned out and they totally edited it out and put these 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 graphics on they tag some graphics subtitle like words on the end of this movie and completely changed how it ended because you watch it now and you're thinking oh it ends this way but in china they went no 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 we can't have audiences leaving the theater thinking this and so they put and look this up i don't want to say it because i don't want to spoil it too much but they completely you know tag on these words that if if if, if you know if that's supposed to be what happened then the first Spickle Me movie makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it doesn't jive. Ah, it doesn't jive at all. And it's just like, wow. I feel sorry for you people in China. If there's any Chinese listeners, anyone listening to this show in China, let me know if, 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 if you know, tweet me about it. I, I'm curious because it's like, wow, censorship is so awful. So as, as a... As a um, as a chapter in the Minions franchise, I liked it. I don't know where they're gonna go. I don't know. I mean, the next next chapter in this franchise is Pickle Movie Four, so apparently it should be taking place after the timeline of three, which would make sense. <laughs> so I don't know anywhere where any more prequels are gonna go because the way this one ends, it's like okay, there's a bit of maybe gap of time between like this. Minions 2 and the first Stick Me movie, but you kind of tie it up in a bow here, so I don't know what more they're going to do prequel-wise. Any more, any more sequel or prequel sequels. We'll have to wait and see. For extras in this, you get a lot. I'm impressed. They crammed so many extras onto a disc. That's like, thank you very much, and I appreciate that a lot, because a lot of times you don't get a lot of extras. Uh, of course, with any kind of Despicable Me movie, Minions movie, you you get many movies. You don't just get one <laughs> this time around. You get Dose. Dose for you. And they are kind of funny. And the one is Postmodern Minions. It, it, it's, it's, it's a weird little secret of movies where you see uh, uh, one little minion kind of go through uh, spontaneous celebrity and how fickle people can be. And then the second one, Minions and Monsters, is where uh, these minions start playing like some Dungeons and Dragons and, and they start fantasizing that it's actually really like one of them starts fantasizing they're actually in the world of so you have like sword and sorcery with minions, which is <laughs> funny and, and cute. Anyway, so you have those two. You have extended scenes, you have outtakes, you have character profiles for Gru, Wild Knuckles, Bell Bottom, Master Chow. Oh, Master Chow is this um, this uh, kind of a march. She she played by Michelle Yeoh, who plays a martial arts instructor to some of the minions 
who need to get some <laughs> help. And it's, it's, it's a good role for her. It really works well. So you have that. Uh, also, character profiles for the Vicious Six, all the different members, and you get to hear from the voice actors. What I like about this, you actually hear from the voice actors from this movie. Yay, about time. Although, not so much from Lucy Lawless. This is really too short. Uh, and then you get uh, one from the biker uh, in this movie, who's played by a very famous actor, too. So that that's kind of cool. You get groovy animations. This is Steve Carell and the directors as they go through the animation process, through storyboards, and how how it was done. And I like that. That's kind of cool. I like I love inside look to that kind of stuff. They should do more of that, you know? 70s fashion, food and funk. This is looking at the 70s through the lenses of minions. Which is <laughs> quite a way to look at it. The Rise of Groove, uh, which is like from fashion music. The, the they 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 like look at you know highlighting the seventies to a newer generation of kids and it does it's nice to see the seventies that, that's a fun decade to me martial art minions so this is how a lot of the they go over the seventies inspired like martial arts movie throwback and from the directors and how they kind of took that to it and then most animation things they always do these how to draw minions and this is with Brad Abelson the co-director. And he shows you how to draw a minion, young guru, and Kung Fu Stewart. <laughs> and then you get Lair Flare, where it's another one of these. Uh, so you get uh, kind of how to make your own lair when it comes to kids. So more, more of these kids' construction projects where you do the lair, you get disco bubbles and a jetpack. So more things to keep kids busy. That's that. And then the Stupid Style Shop. This is how you can make little little minion little crafty stuff so there's a lot of crafty segments as well as for belt bombs and bandanas and a fringe vest and a chunky necklace so a lot of stuff there no audio commentary at all which is like dang nabbit why is it not audio commentary in this i such a lost art i thought of all movies this would be cool i'd love to hear like director and co-director stephen carell talk about making this movie so that is lost Overall, it's, it's a fun addition to this franchise. Does it help to have watched the previous movies before this one? Ah, you, in some ways, you can say, oh, okay, the Minions had to go through all this before they found Gru, yada, yada, yada. But, no, I mean, you, you could, I guess, skip them and just go to this one and just say, okay, you know, they found Gru, he's living for a while, and then uh, they're trying to help him move up in the in the in the leagues of evil if you will so uh, a fun movie lo lots of extras uh, i mean uh, universal is really kicking it with extras lately and and when they call something a collector's edition that it is pretty right up there just missing to me uh commentary so that is my take of minions to the rise of Gru, the 4k uh, blu-ray collector's edition Courtesy of the great folks at Universal Pictures Home Entertainment.
Digital animated movie review for this episode is Lightyear, courtesy of Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, this is what this is a movie that is supposed to be the the movie that inspired the character of Andy to like Buzz Lightyear. And this movie has got a lot of mixed reviews. Uh, starring as Buzz in this one is not Tim Allen. It is Chris Evans. And I swear, it's one of these movies where I, I, I can't 
And whenever I hear Chris Evans, I think it's like Captain America. I'm sorry. In the way he delivers lines, it's very much, what if Steve Rogers was Buzz Lightyear? And it's, it's an origin story of sorts. If you're looking to think, oh, this could be a nice, fun Pixar Toy Story movie. Eh, it's not that. It, it, it very much is a kind of sci-fi kind of adventure film. In this one, Buzz Lightyear is still part of Star Command, and he still has that iconic outfit. And and in 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 the movie, he has he has you know during the course of the movie, he has discovered this planet, and a good colony of humans is trapped on it, right? And this is a not friendly planet. These colonists that he discovered, and and so he makes it his mission to try to get them to escape it and and find, get out of there because it's like killer vines. Yada, yada, yada. So he's trying to redeem himself in it. And they find a way to try to, to try to escape by hyperspace. But every time he kind of, you know, tries to leap into hyperspace, he goes ahead in years. Like he keeps jumping ahead in history uh, with this colony. And, and that's kind of the main premise of it. And and he starts off with this with this kind of friend. So as he's jumping, she ages, and it gets to a point where he then works with that character's daughter and a couple of other kind of recruits because it gets to a point where the the colony is in serious trouble by these robots who go Zerg. And so that's where Zerg comes in. Now, gotta warn you. Anything you think you know about Zerg before this movie, anything that's been established in the previous Toy Story movies, I'm gonna tell you right now, does not apply to this picture. The 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 creators of this movie went a direct different direction when you find out the origins of Zerg. I'm not gonna say what it is. I don't like to spoil things in the show. But I found the explanation kind of confusing in a way. And it would have made more sense for me if the explanation had involved, say, a parallel universe than what they give. Because what they say, it's like, I understand what you're saying, but there's a flaw in your logic, a big flaw in your logic that I can maybe explain away, but then part of it I can't. And when you watch the extras for this, they say, oh yeah, we, we were going to go, you know, in this direction, which has already been pre-established by the previous Toy Story movies. We even storyboarded it. They even had dialogue for it. But then they went... Nah, we're not going to do that. And they went a different direction. <laughs> and if they'd done that original one, at least it would have made a little more sense. Uh, as a space adventure, and this is definitely a space adventure, this movie works, okay? It's just the, the, the logic of why Zerg is there, it, it just, I don't know. 
then you're fine. But if you if you think about it too much, you're going to like, all right, if you say that, then that really doesn't make sense because then that kind of counteracts. But as a space adventure, good. I think Chris Evans is a decent buzz. Although, maybe it's just my ears, but they tease Tim Allen at the start of this movie. Uh, you go back and you play it. You play that first opening bit because he does a lot of narrating in this. <laughs> and you hear his voice. And for a few fleeting seconds, you tear, hear Tim Allen and then it morphs into Chris Evans. And that's mean, Disney. Come on! That's that's such a tease. <laughs> At the start of this movie, it's like, oh, maybe it's gotta... No, it's not gonna be Tim Allen. And it's a shame. Uh, I... I... I would have liked to have heard Tim Allen's take in this. I really would have. Uh, for extras, and what's cool about this screener is I, you know, a lot of times I get screeners from Disney and I don't get extras. This time, yay, I actually did. So I can talk about them. Uh, you get a lot of deleted scenes, including the, the introduction from the director, Angus McLean. So that's cool. A lot of scenes, including... The alternative version of Zerg, which you can be the judge for that. Yeah, one called The Dump, which is that they're talking about the planet that they get stranded on. They get uh, Polly, which which is it, it talks about um, about Buzz and his dad uh, kind of thing. You have Meet Izzy. This is. The um, just it's a it's a deleted scene where you you get to meet a younger version of that character. You get up in the lair, which is you know a, a different one, a different one when it comes to the the, the companions he meets, and then you get uh, something about uh, fathership. And then you get Tilted Ship. So there's a lot of these scenes, like I said, that hint of what Zerg could have been, and I kind of wish they'd gone that route, honestly. The other featurettes are Building the World of Light Years. This is where you, you visit the Johnson Space Center in Houston, and it kind of gives the inspiration of what it is. The Zap Patrol, where you got a, a nice, nice, thankfully, a featurette with the voice actors, including Chris Evans, where they talk about the roles. Although, and they show that, I don't think as voice actors, they, they, they all record the dialogue separately, and I don't think they record the dialogue together, which, I that's a shame, but it still somehow works for the movie. And then Toyetic. They, they do a featurette where they talk of how toy-friendly the Lightyear stuff is, and how the director was really big into toy design, going so much as talking with Lego and consulting with Lego and how the Legos should be. So there's that. You do get audio commentary with the director and the writer and the director of photography where they talk about movie. And that's kind of your, your, one of your main insights too when it comes to the making of the film. So overall, a decent set of extras when it, when it comes to this release. Uh, I said I watched the screener, so I can't really judge how good the Blu-ray or the 4K version of this movie would be. But but you know, just overall, a very gorgeous, a, a nice animated space movie. 
And that's how you have to look at it. If, if you're a purist, Pixar wise, thinking, hey, this is not as true as the canon that was established before, you might have some issues with it. But if you look at it, just a, a generic space adventure, and I do like the character of Socks the Cat. <laughs> that is genuinely funny. Um, and, and if you're a cat owner, you get the jokes. So that is my take of a light year on digital. Courtesy of the great folks at Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can catch me in the number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm at Rambling Russ, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all retweets and likes and on Twitter, any followers you get. And if you follow me, I will follow you on Twitter. And look at me, Twitter. I usually put up all my new episodes get posted. I put up artwork with them and any kind of notifications of giveaways. I love doing giveaways when I can with you fine folks. So any kind of things, look there. And, and feel free to tweet me. I like to interact with my audience. So if you want to reach out, feel free to reach out. I'm not one of these people that won't respond. You know, some people on Twitter, you could message them to the cows come home and they'll never respond to you. You respond, you mess DM me, I will respond to you back. You post something on my Twitter thing, I'll respond back to you. I promise you on that, okay? And of course, you can check out all new episodes right here on the TalkShoot Network. I'm caller ID 18411. And you're going to check out new episodes on Google Play and Spotify. And for those listening to this on TalkShoot, you may hear a weird kind of commercial about 30 seconds before you actually hear my intro. Sometimes it's like a real estate guy in the Niagara region here, and then sometimes it's a weird language. Somebody talking something I don't understand. Don't let that throw you off. Just, you know, get through that 30 seconds, and you hear the intro to my show, and then everything will be fine. So don't let that kind of throw you. TalkShoe does this. It's part of how I, part of, you know, let me do this for free on their service. Uh, but that shouldn't carry over to the other feeds that have my show. So there you go. It's just when you listen to it here on talk show. So just keep that in mind. Uh, of course, you want to go back in the past, listen to, and of course, and new episodes of the show are on uh, other directors across the world wide web. I just recently got put on Podvine. So check me out there. I uh, want to take a blast into the past and check out some of the older shows from my, when I started way back in 2006, you can check out my original home on Libsyn. That's HTTP full colon backslash backslash. Rambling Russ, R-I-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S dot Libsyn. That's dot L-I-B-S-Y-N as in November.com. That, again, that's my original home internet where I have over, you know, six, seven plus years of podcasting goodness from 2006 to 2013. Then I moved over here to talk to you. Lots of great reviews, interviews, and convention coverage from the good old days of Fan Expo in Polaris right there on the show. Some really good vintage interviews there if you want to check those out and you can check those out on many other directories across the world wide web and then itunes under podcasts just like type in ramble also and your final old episodes there as well uh what's coming up for future episodes of the show lots to talk about uh we got uh coming up from the nice folks at warner brothers we got the complete first season of peacemaker starring good old john cena on the blu-ray we'll talk about that show as well, uh, from them, the DC Universe Batman Long Halloween Deluxe Edition on 4K Blu-ray, which includes a, an extended cut. So the two parts into one big long cut. I, I predicted about this months ago, and they did. As well as a brand new 
uh, featurette called Batman Long Halloween, The Evolution of Evil. So, you know, that I'm like, I'll revisit that movie. And from nice folks at Paramount Home Entertainment, a brand new show from the uh, co-creator of Yellowstone, and that is The Mayor of Kingstown, starring good old Jeremy Renner. Season one of that on the Blu-ray. I'll have that review for you in upcoming episode, as well as an interview and review of the brand new movie Bandit, starring Josh Duhamel and Alicia Cuthbert and Mel Gibson. That's opening at a theater near you very soon. I had a great chance to get, a, get a, an advanced review copy of that to check out and had a chance to talk with the director, Alan Unger, as well. So it'll be an interview and review coming up on this very show because I always try to bring interviews back to this program. It's one of the things I did years ago, and I like talking behind the scenes. You'll have that exclusively on this program for you all. Other possible reviews is the complete fifth season of Young Sheldon on Blu-ray, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, and the... Burn Book, Steel Book edition of Mean Girls, courtesy of Paramount Pictures Home Entertainment. And as always, if you want to contribute to the show, you want to, you know, give something back and 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 kind of control the flow of the show and decide what I do review. I do still have my Amazon wish list out there. The link for it is in the or the web address is in the show notes, and I posted on Twitter a while back. If you want to contribute to the show. And, and pick something out from that list. Anything that gets purchased from that list, I will review on this very program. There's a lot of things in there I've been like thinking about talking about, but I want to gauge the interest. And if you do pick that out, I will gladly credit you for that review. If you want to remain anonymous, you can. Just let me know and I'll just say it came from an anonymous source. But this is a way of, you know, helping me out, contributing to the show. You get to pick what I talk about. And, you know, I don't have Patreon. I don't have Discord. I don't have memberships in YouTube. I'm not trying to get your money that way, folks. I've been doing this for free for years. I just want to give something back. And there's a variety of things I put up there, all different price ranges. You know, choose your adventure that way and, and what you can afford, what you can do. It really helped me out. And, and, and I don't ask for much in this program. So that's just an option for you guys to check out if you can. One thing I did want to mention before I, I end the show for today, I am working my way through the show Lucifer. I did get some copies of that, um, seasons five and six sent to me when the folks in Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. So I'm working my way through the previous seasons, and when I'm done, I'll give you my complete Lucifer the series review. So far, I'm really liking it. It's an interesting show that you know had its first four seasons in the CW, got canceled, and then finished its last two seasons on Netflix. So you don't see that happen too often. So I'm going through it. So far, I'm really enjoying it. I'm curious to see where it goes. So that's just something I'm working on. Hopefully, before the end of the year, at least, I'll have that uh, Lucifer series review for you guys on this program. And that's all I have to talk about in this episode. So we'll catch you next time right here on Rambled Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.